Coming up on This Week in Games, Indies took over the IGF and GDC awards, next-gen consoles hold strong to their Q4 2020 release windows, and this week was dominated by fundraising news. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and I am finishing up my first week of shelter in place. That's right. Can't leave the house except to buy groceries or to walk my dog. You know, originally San Francisco had a three-week shelter in place. Now the governor of California has uh, enacted a statewide shelter in place with no end date in sight. But as COVID-19 wrecks havoc all over the world, we must adhere to healthcare recommendations and continue on as best we can which is, for me, on Sunday, covering the game industry news for all of you out there. So first up, GDC Online was last week, and it went off pretty well. Now, despite some audio issues and streaming jitters, it was amazing to see the game industry share valuable information put together this event virtually. Fortunately, I didn't watch every single talk. I think all of them are online right now. Um, My two favorite talks that I did see were Winifred Phillips' talk it was titled assassin's creed to the dark eye the importance of themes and it was a composer kind of centric talk but as a non-composer this talk was amazing it was about building themes around uh building thematic consistency throughout a game and how the same like four note or four chord progression can be used to set mood and emotions and lots of scenes in the game whether they're exciting or slow and kind of like build a consistent theme with the same four uh, chord progression, but use it, you know, for all types of scene. I don't know. You have to watch the talk. It's amazing. Uh, my other favorite talk was Josh Minx. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your right name, your last name right. It was called Matchmaking for Engagement: Lessons from Halo Five, and this was just amazing. Um, he kind of compared latency, skill, win streaks, wait time, and a lot of other factors that go into matchmaking in multiplayer games and how each of those impacted overall engagement. I think, obviously, a lot of the talk was on skill, but it was like, how do you measure skill? Do you take average team skill? How does the player do against other players and against other teams' average skills? And things like that. It was amazing talk, tons of useful information. Check both of those out. Check all the talks out, to be honest. And along with... uh, kind of our GDC online. We also had IGF and GDC awards. So both of these presentations were amazing given the circumstances. The IGF awards, independent game, uh, independent, (laughs) why do I keep wanting to say federation? Um, Independent game festival (laughs) awards were presented like a kind of 80s educational VHS hosted by League of Geeks director Trent Custers with special guest Lucas Pope. So interestingly, none of these games uh, that won IGF awards this year were the games that I played um, in their categories. But I'd like to call out a few games that were on my radar. Excellence in Narratives, Heaven's Vault by Inkle. Um, I read a giant cover on this on Wireframe Magazine by the Raspberry Pi team, uh, interviewed the developer, Seems like an amazing game. I have it on my list of games to play. I'm going to check it out 100% now. And the other game was the Audience Award and Seamus McNally Grand Prize, which was a short hike by Adam Robinson Yu and Mark Sparling. And 
I think it was Adam Robinson Yu gave a presentation on GDC Online on how we got the aesthetics and art style from a short hike. I recommend checking that out. It was really cool. He used some crafty Unity camera work to kind of get this weird pixelated, weird, weird, unique style, you know, and I think the unique art style and camera style really helped sell the game. Um, it's just like Indy's doing what they do at best. He had a vision. He used a bunch of tools to get the vision and it didn't cost him like actually making this unique art itself. He used a bunch of camera tricks to, to develop it. So awesome. IGF is awesome. The whole award show was awesome. Seeing all the nominees, seeing games that, you know, weren't as on my radar. And then you see them like little clips of them and you're like, crap, I should check that out. <laughs> but uh, check out all the awards online. The GDC awards were the other big awards. They were aired right after the IGF awards. The GDC awards were hosted by none other than Kim Swift of Portal fame. Uh, the GDC awards are generally more AAA leaning, but the indie swept almost every award this year. It was actually pretty awesome. Best mobile game, What the Golf. Um, I played What the Golf last year at GDC. They had a uh, an IGF stand, or some kind of independent game stand for it. It's amazing. It's hilarious. It subverts your expectations. It's awesome. Best audio, best visual art, and best uh, technology controlled by Remedy Entertainment. Obviously, you've heard me rattle about this game on this podcast many times before. I haven't gotten around to play it. I own it. Um, gosh, I have to play it. You know, best design, Baba is You. Baba is You is awesome. Um, it's made by Himpoli. I think that's how you pronounce it. Go check it out. Watch videos online. Very creative game. The Audience Award goes to another, none other than that game company who's known for Journey and Flower and Flow. And it's for their game, Sky Children of Light. Best debut and best narrative, the game I've been hawking nonstop, Disco Elysium. Um, go check it out. Of course it wins best narrative. It's, it's the best narrative. It's, it has the best storytelling that mixes game mechanics and tells stories in a way that truly only video games can tell. The way you get insights in the character through different like RPG choices you make. Oh, just just go play it. Innovation Award goes to Baba's You, and Game of the Year goes to Untitled Goose Game. Man, this game can't be stopped. House House and Panic made it. Um, I don't know. I really didn't want to play the Untitled Goose Game, but I think it won Best Game of the Year at the Dice Awards, and now it wins Game of the Year at GDC Awards. Have to play it now. Everyone listening has to play it, so let's all go get the Untitled Goose Game. I'm sure we're all on some form of lockdown anyway, so don't have much better to do um the gdc awards are voted on by developers so it's clear it's kind of like a message from developers to other developers that like third person open world adventure games aren't enough to impress your contemporaries in today's game industry you have to take risk you have to have a vision you can't just have the 14th game about killing people for no reason you know just some kind of weird murder simulator Congrats on every nominee and winner. The Ambassador Award, um, these next two awards are like the voted on awards that they're kind of like the Oscar Lifetime Achievement Awards. So the Ambassador Award went to Kate Edwards, former IGDA head and current CEO of Game Jam. Edwards is recognized for an evangelizing game development and the game community worldwide. The Pioneer Award went to Sierra Online co-founder Roberta Williams, who... Honestly, has a long list of amazing narrative-driven games to her credit. Go check that out. I'll go watch the award show. 
I'm not doing either of them justice. Uh, they have interviews by both of them. Um, amazing people, you know, great impact on the industry. And that's GDC. So GDC online happened pretty good. Uh, really made the best of what the situation is right now. So on to more news, Xbox Series S announced a Thanksgiving release date only to retract it. So nothing else to the story. Larry Herb, director of programming at Microsoft, stated that they are committed to a holiday 2020 release, despite maybe not thinking that they're going to actually hit Thanksgiving. More next-gen news, Sony lays out the PS5 specs. Mark Cerny, architect of the PSI, presented the in-depth specs of the new console. Honestly, I'm not a very hardware technical guy, so no reason for me to rattle over the technical specifications. But the biggest takeaway are probably the giant SSD which will be on the PS5, which will help a number of things, like lot, unlock lots of stuff. But like the most obvious is loading time. And uh, there's also going to be a legacy mode, so you can play PS4 games in this like legacy mode on the PS5. I'm still waiting for launch titles. Like, Let me see what, like, who's working on what. Is the PS5 going to launch, and it's just going to be ported PS4 games? That, that'll be kind of sad, but I don't, I don't know any PS5 launch titles. There's one that they announced. I don't even remember the name of it because it was like, you know, a cinematic trailer. So yeah, let's see. All right. COVID-19 updates. I knew this was coming. Um, you all knew this was coming. There's a lot of event cancellations. Pretty much all esports conferences, expos throughout the summer are canceled or turned into virtual events. The Independent Game Developers Association has filed proposals to the UK Chancellor to aid game developers financially through the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, most of these requests are mainly tax release and tax credits to game companies. Pokemon Go has altered mechanics from hatching distance to rewards and sync on spawns to help players adhere to social distancing. However, my unprofessional opinion is you probably shouldn't be playing Pokemon Go in the current global pandemic. GameStop uh, this last week had a PR death march. So earlier in the week when governors like California's governor Gavin Newsom started ordering the shutdown of non-essential businesses. Kotaku reported GameStop sent out a memo to employees stating that they are an actual essential business and not to comply with local law enforcement uh, when they try to shut down GameStops. Quote, we have received reports of local authorities visiting stores in an attempt to enforce closure despite our classification. Store managers are approved to provide the document linked below to law enforcement as needed, end quote. Obviously, this wasn't going to last long. Um, later, it confirmed that GameStop was, in fact, deemed non-essential and closed down stores that day. Saturday, GameStop finally ordered the closing of all retail stores worldwide. But some stores would stay open for curbside pickup. In a move of good faith, though, GameStop stated that all employees would receive paid for lost hours over the next two weeks. But the thing on everyone's mind is... You know, GameStop stock has taken a hammering. Uh, there haven't been cash flow positive in a long time. What's going to happen to them? You know, can they really take a quarter off? I don't know. It's it's not going to look good for uh, retail. And finally, the fabled GDC Summer has a date. So August 4th through the 6th will be the date for kind of what I'm calling GDC Summer. I don't know what they're calling it. I, GDC Replacement. The location is surprisingly the same, the Moscone Center of San Francisco. Game of Sutra reports, quote, the event will host a new series of micro chalks and fireside chats, as well as a dedicated space for comprehensive career development sessions covering topics such as how to pitch your game, effective communication strategies, how to land an investor publisher, and business development strategies, end quote. 
that's great. Um, unfortunately, I will likely not be in San Francisco during that time. So it's not great for me. But uh, hey, it's great. You know, it sounds like if you read over the whole GDC summer press release, it really actually sounds like they're like aiming at niche audiences, like especially students, uh, indie developers, younger developers. They're going to let people rent out spaces to set up like portfolio tables. You know, it, it feels more homegrown than to have like 20 different Amazon and Google sponsored talks, right? All right, let's go to business news. That's why you guys are all here, so I can rattle off Crunchbase <laughs> stats to everyone. First up, Scopely raises a second Series D to the tune of $200 million. So this is impressive. Following their Series D of $200 million back in October, Scopely received another $200 million from Advance and the Cherman Group bringing their Series D total to $400 million. So they already completed their Series D of $200 million. They hit their goal, and two investment groups came to them and said, hey, we want in on this. We want to give you another $200 million. Like, that's absolutely insane. Whatever Scopely is sending around in their pitch uh, books to investors must must be mind-blowing. Uh, GameIndustry.biz reports, co-CEO Walter Driver stated that, quote, the round will support the company's strategy to fuel its growth through mergers and acquisitions. End quote. So this is hot off of three acquisitions in the past year. Fox Next and Cold Iron Studios, which they acquired both of them from Disney, and Digit Game Studios, who's the developer of the Star Trek game um, that Scopely published. So three acquisitions in a year. Scopely, I mean, I hate to call them out, but Scopely continues their plan of following in Zynga's footsteps and realizes it actually struggles to develop hit games in-house themselves. So it acquires existing live ops cash flows. It's a little harsh. You know, Scopely is truly more of a mobile publisher. They don't have that many development resources in-house or used to not. And used to uh, reach out to other game developers and actually publish their games or go to game developers like mobile developers and be like, hey, we have X, Y, and Z license. Are you interested? Will you make one of these games uh, with this license? And we'll pay you and you'll get some form of revenue to run live ops, you know, they used to be more of a traditional publisher. It does seem like they're just following Zynga's footsteps and, uh, you know, just acquiring companies that already have hit games, but nothing terrible about that. I don't know what they're going to do with $400 million. Like how many more game companies are there out there? You know, that Tencent, uh, Supercell, Zynga, now Scopely, even Tilting Points acquiring companies. I mean, it's the great uh, con- contraction, I guess, of the mobile industry. All right, next up, New York-based Genvid Technology raises $33 million in a Series B. So Genvid Technology is one of the many interactive streaming developers emerging, and the Series B brings their total fundraising amount to about $53 million. What What it is is, like, they have an SDK, and it allows developers to create interactive broadcasts to live stream to audiences, Basically, like you can make interactive Twitch streams either on the developer, game developer side or on the streamer side, I guess, technically. Honestly, I think this is a major feature here, like Twitch, where audiences can interact, uh, can be easily programmed into the game or stream themselves. So think about like Twitch plays Pokemon. Okay, that's like the audience interacting with the game that's not built for streaming. Or you could have League of Legends built the streaming tech into it so like for fun everyone in the audience can vote to ban a champion on each side right that could happen and it would just end up with a bunch of troll votes but it'd be interesting right 
<coughs> Sorry, a little cough. This is the next big thing for Twitch stars to utilize, kind of to both distinguish themselves from their contemporaries and also give audiences a chance to feel like they're part of the stream. So you join, you know, who's whoever your favorite streamer is, Dr. Disrespect, Dr. No Respect, whatever his name is. And like, hey, instead of just watching him and talking and chat to him and he kind of calls you out if you donate money, now everyone who subscribes to him is a part of the stream and can like force him to change guns if they want for fun. You know, things like that. It's probably the next big thing. Um, next up, cloud-based MMO developer Mainframe Industries raises $8.1 million in Series A. So the $8.1 million Series A was led by Andresine Horowitz, who really started aggressively finding its way into the game industry lately. And along with them, there's other game industry mainstays like Play Ventures, Sisu Game Ventures, Maki.vc, and Riot Games, surprisingly. Mainframe Industries will be the first Nordic company to receive funding from A16C and Riot Games. Also weird that Riot Games is investing in the other companies when they themselves are 95% owned by Tencent. And also strange, Maki.vc, who wasn't the lead investor, and I don't even think they were the number two investor on this, gets the board seat for this round. So that's pretty strange too. Mainframe is continuing to work on their unannounced cloud-based MMO. So what do I think? MMOs are a huge cash burn. I think the entire genre or the paradigm kind of needs a revenue model change to survive. As far as I know, free-to-play MMOs haven't really found mainstream success outside of Asia, and WoW continues to hold a dominant position despite being something like 85 years old in the West. So people keep taking shots at MMOs, and MMOs keep getting canceled in development. Look at the like big budget MMO that uh, Improbable and Spatial OS were funding and helping out, and you know killed in development. How many MMOs have been killed in development that I've covered in the last like two years? It's a hard genre, and even if you get it out, like let's say you get it out, the the revenue isn't sustainable. The ones with subscription they die out of player base after about three months, and the ones that are free to play, you know, you either make it free to play and make a ton of money by having the kind of pay to win stuff but then you lose most of your user base and you just have payers left or you make it free to play and it's not pay to win and then you know how much are cosmetics going to make you so it's a hard problem to solve it's a paradigm that's amazing i love mmos i played a trillion of them but man as far as like uh revenue models it needs some innovation there really all right next up robin games raises seven million dollars in a seed round to build what they're calling lifestyle games so robin games is a product <coughs> of former jam city exec jill wilson and has promised to be a mostly female-led gaming venture the seed round was led by lvp but it also had seven other investors including one up ventures um who we see all the time on here it is reported the seed round was oversubscribed and actually raised two million dollars more than its target of five million dollars Wilson describes lifestyle games as blend lifestyle content with mobile free-to-play games. So pretty interesting. It really, to me, sounds like a successor to Crowdstar before they got bought out by Glue. Crowdstar was a company behind Covet Fashion and Design Home. Um, I think there's a giant like audience for this. And there's mobile gaming, mobile gaming is very female. There's a it's either 50-50 or it might even be like more female depending on genre and what demographic you're looking at and how they're measuring. 
and I'm I'm really shocked we don't see more covet fashions in design homes. Like obviously we see clones of covet fashion design homes, but we're not seeing like more innovative stuff around like, you know, things that aren't like fighting and killing or building villages and other nonsense that you see. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see what they do. All right, we have a few more. Bazooka Tango raises 2.5 million in seed round for mobile games. This is also a strange story. So Bazooka Tango is formed by former ex-Vanglory uh, developers, but Bazooka Tango will still make games set in the Vanglory universe and still use Super Evil Megacorp's engine. So the San Mateo Bay Studios' first project is dubbed Vanglory All-Stars. Uh, <laughs> this weekend game's mainstay, Bitcraft Esport Ventures, led the seed round with uh, Modern Times Group and Merge Lane providing capital as well. I don't know. I've never seen this before. You break off uh, from a studio. You form an entirely new studio, but your new studio is making games in the universe of the old studio and using the same engine as the old studio. I'm sure there's some financial logical reason for this, but pretty weird. But you got 2.5 million in seed. That's very impressive. And, you know, Vainglory, I don't know how they're doing now, but they were a pretty big hit. So let's see what Vainglory All-Stars is. All right, a few more. Mini Clip acquires 8 pixels square. This isn't that big of a story. Game of Suture is reporting free online games web portal. Mini Clip acquires developer that worked on Sniper Strike, Cartel Kings, Raid HQ, and Retro Soccer for an undisclosed amount. And finally, an interesting story. Decca Games buys up Dragonvel following the closure of Black Flip Studio. So Boulder-based Black Flip... <laughs> Boulder-based... Backflip Studios. That was a little bit of tongue twister. Um, closed in Q4 last year, leaving the former cash cow Dragonvel ownerless until Deca Games purchased it this week. This leads to a very interesting business opportunity: buying games from defunct studios that are still making significant revenue. Like I have to imagine, Dragonvel could make in the neighborhood ten thousand a day in revenue, staffed with a you know a skeleton crew that knew what they were doing, like maybe four people. Um, and it could probably, if you really like reignited it, examined the game design, like looked at a soft relaunch, uh, could probably make even like 70,000 or upwards a day, um, depending on what you do. So I've seen a few private equity companies that have popped up and they've kind of like not worked as a publisher, but worked as kind of just like a money investor where these private equity companies pop up. They outright buy smaller games for like pots of cash. They just hand bags of money to these developers and they're like, we'll take that game for, I don't know, let's make $200,000, right? And then they have their own product manager teams and they optimize like this catalog of games that are all like, you know, games that are never going to be in the top 200 grossing, but still make somewhere between one and let's say 50,000 daily revenue, right? And you optimize this catalog of games. And for the private equity company, it's like um, reliable revenue income for their initial investment. And the developers just get a pot of cash to go make something else and not have to do live ops. So it's interesting that Decca Games is doing this. It's like taking that business model and coupling it with Defunct Studios. And I wonder how many games are out there floating out right now that you know, still clear over a thousand a day, but the studio shut down and, you know, someone's just sitting on that cash. Pretty interesting uh, opportunity. I don't know. 
All right, that's it for this week in games. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave a comment and let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at eric at thisweekingames.com if you have any comments or suggestions on future stories. So I'm Eric. Everyone stay safe. Play some of the games that won IGF awards or GDC awards. They were all indies for the most part. And uh, yeah, let's get through this together. And uh, hopefully the game industry is stronger on the other side. All right, that's it for this week in games. Take care.